Welcome to One to Watch Wednesday, brought to you by Studio B and sponsored by DRC Music. They're here for all your entertainment needs, and when we're able to have live music again and you want to have a show... Think of DRC Music first. They believe in live music for all and specialize in small, intimate concerts close to all our homes at a fair price with well-known Canadian artists. Contact DRC Music today. Our guest today is numerous YYC Music Award nominated and Humanitarian Award winning pop artist Lizette Xavier out of Calgary. My name is Sarah Scott. I'm pretty darn excited about this episode, so let's get it going. So thank you so much for being a part of One to Watch Wednesday, Lizette. Now, I love the artists to get to tell us about themselves, themselves, of course, and we know each other quite well, but the audience doesn't. So I'm going to get you to tell us a bit about you in a couple of seconds here, but I want to talk about a quote first off of your website that I just loved. It said, I was forced into piano lessons at the age of five, only to quit three years later. My reason was simple. I did not want to play someone else's music. And then by your eighth birthday, you were already composing original pieces and beginning your own journey as a vocalist and you experimented for many, many years. And then in 2013, you began your journey as a solo artist. Oh my goodness. Those are really the highlights. It's always funny to think back to like childhood music life. It was such a resistant beginning. I wanted to go into dance I still think I would have been a great dancer, but if anyone watches my recent music video, they'll see that that did not happen. But my sister wanted piano lessons and my mom just loved the idea of that. So she put us both in piano lessons and I hated it. I was a busy five-year-old and I was put into like strict Royal Conservatory at like a proper music school. I just, I, I really didn't align with that methodology. And then finally, when I was eight, I remember I was learning about plagiarism in school. And so the teachers were explaining plagiarism, why it was bad. And then I went home and I was like, you won't let me plagiarize in school, but that's all you let me do in music. And my <laughs> that's mom a big like, statement for an eight-year-old. <laughs> I, I really peaked. I peaked at eight. <laughs> And my mom was like, yeah, all right. So she she let me quit. I, I continued to study music on my own, continued to study theory and still kind of like work through all of those books. But it was less about just like following these strict rules and more about learning those fundamentals so that I could really manipulate them. I would yeah. learn a song and then I'd take all of those elements and I'd write a new song using all of those rules. So I, I found a happy place within technicality to kind of gain creativity. That is really awesome. That is so cool. So I feel like that's almost a great way to say, try things out, experiment, do what you got to do and see where it takes you because it's gotten you so far and to so many places. So that's amazing. Now you do pop music and kind of dance style music. What led you towards that genre? You know what it was? And this is going to make me sound so much cooler than I actually am. So just bear with me. <laughs> I went to New York for my birthday with my, one of my closest friends whose birthday is a few days after mine. And we were like, we're going to spend New York in our birthdays because we're the coolest. The one thing she wanted to do was her favorite DJ was playing at this really cool club in Brooklyn. Again, this is the peak of my coolness, guys. This is not a everyday thing. <laughs> and uh, I didn't really listen to dance music or EDM. And by I didn't really, I mean, I didn't at all. So I was not really looking forward to this experience, but you know, it was like the one thing my friend wanted to do. She went to the library with me. So I was going to the club with her and uh, it was a really cool event because it actually started as this yoga practice. And then the club transformed into this mindful dance party. And so there were rules. So you weren't allowed to have alcohol on the dance floor. You weren't allowed to invade someone's space without being invited. Like it was this, it was this very mindful dance floor 
thing happening. And um, that was actually my first club experience, which I'm told definitely ruined clubs for me because those rules don't apply, I'm told, in regular <laughs> clubs. But what, what was really cool is like, I'm not, I'm not a dancer, but because I, I wasn't self-conscious because really no one was paying attention to anyone but themselves. Everyone was very much there to just have an experience for themselves. I found myself dancing and moving. And, and the other thing too, was my friend kept coming to check on me when I wasn't dancing. So it, it made me feel bad. I want her to like enjoy herself. So I'm going to dance. It was just such a beautiful experience because I found that not only was my body just kind of moving involuntary to the music, but like my heartbeat started to match the beat of the music. And I found that what I was physically experiencing was brought on by this music. And I, I'd never had music kind of influence me on like a physical level in that way. And it, it just kind of made me want to play with it. And so I kind of came back and I was like, we're going to try pop. That's pretty cool. So tell us about your early beginnings with pop music. How did you experiment? And when did you find your official sound? Oh man, I don't even know that I found it. It's just been a lot of collaborating. I think that it's it's just been about like writing things that feel good. And I never think about writing any genre of music when I write. I just kind of write. It's always me and my keys. It always starts out just the two of us. <laughs> and then um, I think what kind of makes it fit a certain style is the producer that I end up working with. So that's kind of been the journey is just feeling what that collaboration looks like, seeing what it feels like, discovering what works, often by figuring out what doesn't work, and then okay. just kind of trusting the process and just learning each time and gaining a little bit more insight each time and think that I'm just kind of making music that I'm making in that moment without thinking too much about what's next or what was it's just like what feels good right now well, you're living in the moment. I think that's really cool. I was speaking with another artist, Patrick Horiback, about this exact topic of artists being able to experiment and trying new things because actors, they get to pretty much be in any genre that they please as an actor if they choose not to be typecasted and artists should have the same freedom. And it seems like you're taking advantage of that and you are just playing with your sound and playing with your skills and working on that kind of stuff. Where would you like to see your music go in the next couple of years? I, I think in the past, I've written music, obviously, that's honest, right? Like, yeah. I guess finding a musician that doesn't say that it's, it's just like the rule, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm definitely good at kind of like disguising things. So it's like, I'm going to sing about this, but is it about this? Probably not. Double and entendres. I, and there's, there's a, a safety in that, at least for me. And especially writing about like negative things, there's something comforting about writing about a breakup song that like is absolutely not about a breakup. It's about something else, but all of the terminology works. And so it's like I'm expressing myself pretty authentically without having to really show all my cards. I have some things coming up. There's no hidden anything in them. They're just, they're very much very clear in a way that I haven't written before. And so I'm terrified about them, but I'm also, I'm really, I'm excited for them. I feel ready for them. I'm really looking forward to that. Now, we are going to talk about your ethical AF clothing and your Rise Up competition and also your vocal coaching and also all your awards and nominations and recognitions here in a couple of minutes. But first, I do want to play a song by you called Hot Mess because I love that song. Let's talk about Hot Mess for a second before we play it. I love that song. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that as an artist, but I think that was one of my first songs really playing with that, just like saying what I was feeling and not disguising it and very much feeling like I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> ever. And I think I put off a very different vibe. People are like, oh my God, like you are thinking 20 steps ahead. I'm like, am I? There's like loose plans always, but it's kind of always balanced with like what is happening. Um, like we talked about how we both like almost missed this meeting. <laughs> <laughs> 
we probably all have like traits that we don't love all the time. And so it's easy to be like frustrated when I don't have all of my ducks in a row. But that song was me being like, you know what? Maybe it's okay that you don't know what's going on ever. Maybe that's fine. Let's just live in that for a second. I've been lost in the red direction. Let go to get connection. I'm a mess, but a hot mess. Perfectly first part with imperfection. I'm a mess, but a hot mess. Learning to love all my indiscretions. I've been going and I don't wanna be found. by our guest Lizette Xavier and one thing we got to talk about too here is you have a clothing line an ethical AF clothing line how did this get started and where can we find it I was releasing a new single and I was trying to like do all the things, which includes getting merch, right? Every, every artist has merch. You know, I'm trying to just be a bit more mindful in my life and making more conscious choices when I have the option. So I was like, I should probably know where my clothes come from when I'm ordering, which led me down a rabbit hole of the clothing industry just being the worst. I won't get into it. I have a short (laughs) video on YouTube if people want to watch it. And so I was like, well, shoot, like I, I have to figure out a way to have like a more ethical option. So I looked up some ethical clothing lines of like sustainably resourced clothing 
clothing and I could not afford them. As, a, as an independent artist, it wasn't feasible. So I was just at Value Village one day and I was just, you know, living my best life, <laughs> looking for secondhand stuff. And I saw this really nice plain shirt with nothing on it, no logos, and it was in great condition. So I just had this idea of upcycling shirts and just printing on them locally. So I reached out to a bunch of different local printers. No one wanted anything to do with it. <laughs> Because they're like, you're not putting those dirty, dank clothes on our equipment, which is valid. But I did find one printer who would. So I I partnered with the dude screen printing. And so we started printing uh, that way. So all the shirts are upcycled and it ended up being like this little experiment that just went so beautifully because all of the shirts ended up being one of a kind. It's just been really fun and people can find it all online. And it's very haphazard (laughs) because it, you know, it's kind of hard to like photograph these like one of a kind shirts, but if you like one design, you can't get it in another size. That's the one downside, but it felt good to be like, okay, I'm not fueling the devil. But what's so great about it is that they are getting a one of a kind shirt. No one else is going to be wearing that shirt. So that's pretty cool, right? I think so. Let's just run with that. Let's run with that. I like that. Yeah, they're wearing that shirt. Now, you are very much into volunteering with local charities and nonprofits. And you do like taking care of your community and not just with your clothing line and giving awareness about that kind of stuff, but you were awarded the Authentic Sound Humanitarian Award in October of 2018 for your countless efforts for but not limited to the YYC Music Gives, True Beauty Foundation, Rainbow Society of Alberta, and the Alice Sanctuary, just to name a few. Now, how did you get involved with the volunteering and local charity efforts? You know, that was such a weird experience to be awarded that because it, as amazing as it was and as wonderful it was, it, it just, my dad always taught me, like, if you can do something for someone, you do it, you know? So it, it was never a choice, you know, since I started performing music, even before 2013, when I was in bands, if someone asked me like, hey, I'm doing this event, were raising money, it was like a yes. You know, it be, it became something that I I was doing a lot of, and I didn't really realize it. It wasn't a choice. It just felt good, and it, it's always been that way. And then I've been really fortunate, I think, to be able to work with some amazing organizations like Girls Rock Camp. I get to be a mentor there all the time. And actually just this past winter, I was able to launch a pay it forward music program. So we started this program that kind of partners sponsors and like low income students. So we're able to offer private music lessons to kids who otherwise wouldn't be able to get. It feels good to help. So it's like selflessly self fish. That is a really cool initiative. I really like that. Now, I want to go back to the the Girls Rock Camp Calgary. You've been doing it for the last four years, like you said. So tell us a bit about that and how you got involved. Yeah. So I just saw a post on Facebook and it's funny because I guess I'm the only mentor there that wasn't like immediately connected. I think it was... I'm like hesitant to say who like started it because there's so many amazing people who are a part of it. But the the core group anyway started Girls Rock Camp Calgary and it was one of like many camps that happen every summer. And it's really just a safe place for female identifying youth to kind of come and experiment with music because it is a male dominant industry. And it can be really scary to be new and to be learning an instrument and to kind of find your place and your voice. So it's just this amazing week-long camp. There's a bunch of mentors that play different instruments. So it's, we have different workshops and they really range. Like a lot of times it's, you know, it's songwriting. We've done workshops on consent, on making DIY merch, like just kind of like a variety of things. And then we have music lessons for each instrument. And then we pair up all the youth into different bands. And then they perform at the end of the week. And they also get to record at OCL Studios, which is so fun. Oh, man, I love that studio in Chestermere. They are so good. <laughs> yeah, I am often in the pool. I'm like, if you guys need help, <laughs> just come find me in the pool. And I will coach you from here. 
So you have the pay it forward initiative, which is amazing. And also you do vocal coaching. So vocal coaching, do you teach youth? Do you teach everyone of every age? And how does it affect your career? And how do you grow from that yourself with vocal coaching other students? Whoever wants vocal coaching is who I teach. Right now, I kind of have a balance between children and adults. I love teaching each age group for different reasons. Like adults are often coming in having wanting to have done it their whole life. So there's a different level of enthusiasm and commitment. It's really, it's just fun to be a part of that process, right? When we allow ourselves to grow and learn. And as adults, we don't always do that. We often don't try the new things because we're grownups now. We have to do boring grown-up things. And then kids are, are so great because they're just so free. You know, they'll come up with ideas and melodies. And I always songwrite with all of my students. I think that's so important. And I think that's coming from my upbringing in music and how it started so rigid that I really try to do the almost the opposite. So it's like, let's learn all of the technicalities, but also balance it with applying these skills in a way that forces you to think. It's great for myself because first of all, I stay practiced because I'm doing all of the exercises with all my students all the time, unless my cat puts her hand in the water, in which case I opt out of bubbles. I'm like, no, sorry, I'm taking a break. And then, you know, a lot of like sometimes because all voices are different, all bodies are different. I'll end up having to look up problem solving for different voices and different obstacles that I've never had to deal with. So that's really cool. And just like understanding the instrument as a whole, it's just been such a fun accident teaching. It's something I never saw myself doing, but now that I do it. I can't imagine not doing it. That is so amazing. So you teach songwriting as well? Yeah. I mean, it just, it all flows together. I teach piano, singing, and then in both of those, I encourage songwriting. It's not for every student. Some students don't want to at all, and that's fine. I'm not going to force them. <laughs> but especially with kids, like, and vocal students, they're always singing songs. So we're just like, cool, let's, let's see if we can remember what we're singing. Let's see if we can play with that. Can we find something that sounds good with that that's a little different? Understanding what a song looks like. It's really cool because I think that what I've come across is people viewing songwriting as something so separate from their experience. But I think that telling stories like that's something we were doing as humans before the written word, you know, it's how we communicated, it's how we connected. So I think it's fun to be able to remind people of that and be like, hey, you know, like this doesn't have to be your vocation to be something you enjoy, you know, and I think if one good thing came out of COVID, it's reminding people that you can do something just because it feels good. You don't have to learn guitar just because you're going to be the lead in the next biggest band. You can learn guitar because it feels good. And it's enjoyable. Like that's, that is a good enough reason to do something. I agree with that. I think COVID has really been so good for that because it's forced so many people to be creative and step out of their comfort zones a little bit or to just try something new that they wanted to try for so long because they've had the time to do it. They found the resources somehow and people have been so giving and so supportive of everybody during this time that I think that although it's been a very weird time, it's also been a very interesting time for creatives and even proving to people that they are more creative than they thought they were. Yeah, I've, I've heard that from so many people like, oh, I'm just not creative. And I was like, well, maybe it's a maybe it's a muscle that you haven't flexed in a while. I can't do a chin up, but that doesn't mean that I'm incapable of doing chin ups. It means that I don't work out because I don't want to. <laughs> so my muscles are weak. I think creativity is like that. You know, it's something that we have to practice. It's something that we have to strengthen and it's something we have to nurture, but we all got it. Well, we are encouraging creativity here on One to Watch Wednesday. And now you were recently part of the Rise Up Challenge. I'm not 100% familiar with the Rise Up Challenge, but you were in the top four, which is amazing. Tell us a bit about it, how you got involved and... Uh, 
also about your song Rise Up, which you're going to play here in a couple of minutes too. Yeah, I also hadn't heard of it. So don't feel bad. A friend of mine sent me this link in the middle of December and it was the songwriting competition. And I remember like the deadline was so tight. It was like three weeks from the date that I read it. They wanted this fully produced song. And I was like, what? is happening. And I read through it. And basically what the Rise Up initiative is, is they just want to reinvigorate the arts in Calgary, not just music, just the arts in general, which I thought was obviously the coolest thing ever. I was immediately inspired. And right away, like just kind of like walking through my kitchen being like, we just came to rise up, rise up. Like right away, it was just like very obvious. And I remember thinking, is it so obvious it's bad? Or obvious it's good. And I was like, well, it's that it's due in three weeks. So we're not going to question it. I ended up writing this song really just about thinking about Calgary and COVID and kind of like isolating that thought. And the one thing about not just Calgary, but Alberta, of all the things that it is that maybe I don't always agree with, it's very resilient. You know, and I think about like forest fires that have happened. Think about the floods that have happened. Always come out a little stronger. It's my favorite thing about living here. And so I really just wanted to write a song that just kind of embodied that. Like, yeah, things just went down. (laughs) But... That's cool because things are going to happen again and we're just going to keep getting better because that's what we do. Didn't question it. I just wrote it. I let it flow how it needed to. Luckily, I have a live-in producer that I coaxed into producing the song for me in three days, which he was super pumped about. So shout out to Septembrio. And then, yeah, they announced that we were one of the four finalists, which was incredible, mostly because we got to perform live on a real stage with real people like cried tears of joy. And then I found out that Hotels Live, which is what we got to perform with, they are the only permitted live music venue in the province right now. But yeah, we just, we had such a great time and I did not end up winning, but I will be still working with the Rise Up Initiative over the next year. So I'm super, super grateful and very, very excited. We commit to rise up, rise up. Nothing gonna stop us, stop us. So you're standing in the ashes who we used to be.
There's our guest, Lizette Xavier, with her song, Rise Up. And you can get all of her music, including those two songs you heard today, Hot Mess and Rise Up, wherever you get your music right now. And you can follow her on all social media platforms and on her website, LizetteXavier.com. This has been One to Watch Wednesday, brought to you by Studio B and sponsored by DRC Music. I love them because they have a passion for supporting good music and helping you put on one heck of a show. Live music, it is coming back. And when it does, make sure you get this exceptional team for their exceptional live show experience. Contact DRC about their services today. Visit them on Facebook today. Well, have a great rest of your day. My name is Sarah Scott, and this has been One to Watch Wednesday. (laughs) 